Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to the Yanks Go Yard Podcast, the only podcast that gets you Bronx bombed on a weekday afternoon. I'm Adam Weiner alongside Thomas Carinante on this beautiful Tuesday. Guess what? We're sick of doing podcasts about how the Yankees lose every game they play. Boring. It's not fun. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. It's been several days, right? Show of hands. Is anybody really here right now to hear us break down Luis Severino's start on Sunday Night Baseball against the Red Sox? Is anybody really here to hear us be like, Man, Jake, I don't know if Jake Bowers is, is a starting left fielder moving forward. you got to play the green monster better than that, Thomas. you just got to. I mean, there's nothing to interestingly debate anymore. The roster is bad. The offensive stats are the worst in baseball in the month of June. Uh, when you see them listed out, who's actually performing? Billy McKinney's been pretty good. Jake Bowers has been pretty good. Willie Calhoun been all right. The bad players are the ones who are supposed to be the good players. DJ LeMahieu, terrible. Anthony Rizzo, unsustainably dreadful. Josh Donaldson, you will never see a season like this again with six home runs and two other non-home run hits in a large chunk of time. The players who are getting paid money to be good are awful. The players who are not getting paid money to do anything have been pretty good. Things aren't really going to change anytime soon. So what we figured we'd do today to start off the show, we will talk about the things that we got to get to. Dylan Lawson, does he actually help? Does he actively hurt? Changes you'd make right now. Bader delaying his return a couple days. He's back Tuesday, but should he have been back on Friday? We'll talk about all that, but Thomas Carinante, welcome to the show. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all the fun places, and we're live here on YouTube. Two o'clock Eastern, typically Mondays and Thursdays this week. Short week, I'll be away on Thursday, unfortunately, but we want to do something fun. Just going down the list of the Yankees roster and drafting players who we'd actually be upset to see leave the team. Because it's not anger. I'm not angry at a lot of these players who are underperforming. A lot of them have just tripped into the territory of, you tell me tomorrow they're not on the team. Am I going to really care? Am I going to go, oh, am I going to fight for them? Or am I just going to go, oh, they're gone now? Their time came to leave the roster? Okay, great. Because I think when you don't win a World Series for 13 going on 14 years, a lot of people get attached to a lot of players who just, let's face it, are not that good anymore. And a lot of people are caping for and defending players who you could do better than. You could do better than having this player on your team. But Thomas Carinante will get to the draft. We'll get to the roster. We'll break it all down. You have an offer for the listeners who've made it this far. Yeah. Speaking of drafting, Yankees fans, have you signed up for DraftKings yet? If you're a new user, you haven't been or signed up for DraftKings yet. You can receive $150 in bonus bets instantly after following just three easy steps. Go to DraftKings.com or download the app, create an account, deposit money, and then wager $5 on any sport, any game, whatever you want to do. Whether your first wager wins or loses, you will still receive the $150 in bonus bets. All you have to do is use the code YANKSGOYARD when you sign up. YANKSGOYARD. It is literally us. It couldn't be easier than that. This offer is available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly, everybody. Check the description in this episode for full terms of the offer. Um, wow, yeah. that before we get going, that ad read was very discernibly different from the one that we usually do. That was just yeah. a complete 180. So nice job. Depressing ad read. After we had a day off, and I thought I thought the stink would go away. And it's no, it didn't. Longer. It didn't. It didn't go away at all. It's yeah. a three-day hangover. It's like you got unfathomably fucked up on a Friday, and you're just like, is this going to go away? It's already Tuesday, but it's not. Not even close on Friday. I mean, we're not going to do the series. Who who cares? No. Game one game one of the series was over in two seconds. Just waiting for it to end. And it is one of those. We haven't had one of those in a while where you're just checking the score, and you're like, it's still going up. <laughs> they, the Red Sox didn't give up. Like, nope. don't they know this one's over? And then game doesn't get played on Saturday. Really splitting a doubleheader is the only chance they have to take one of these. They don't do it. They don't even really come close. They lead for uh, 
they take a first inning lead in all three of these games, which I think is the the only lingering thing you should take away. The Dylan Lawson stuff and the fact that they jumped on the Red Sox first in all three of these games, oh. which is usually what people say, like, nice job, like tough road environment. You really got you got to establish yourself early. You got to set the tone. One run in the first, the first game, two runs in the first, the second game, one run in the first and the third game. They don't score again after the first in the second and third game of the series. You're not hoping to even hold that two nothing lead in the first game. You're just waiting in line for them to blow that two nothing lead in the first game. Then when it actually happens and it's Michael King falling apart, you're like, oh, that's an interesting culprit. But that that said, I don't really care who does it. I know it's going to happen anyway. Of course, they have second and third and one out in that scenario. Grounder scores the run. They're about to get out of it. Nope. Eh, now we're just going to punish the ball off the monster and they won't get out of it. The game is now tied. So in drafting players who we actually want to keep, it's not like I'm not expecting the 12 people we don't draft here to be off the roster tomorrow for the middle of this Mariner series. I'm just saying these are the guys who like if you're saving the essentials, a lot of Titanic conversations lately. If you're putting Yankees on a lifeboat away from a shipwreck, these are the ones who you want to see on the roster this year, next year, in perpetuity. You want to find a way to keep. I don't know how much we're going to disagree on this, but it's like it's a small number of players. Um, and I'm gonna I'll go first and just take the op. There are like two shoe-ins. I'm not even sure how long this will go, but there are only two where I know they're getting drafted. And so I'll take Aaron Judge and I'll give you the next pick. Right. I'll take Harrison Bader. Not who I thought you were going to take. That's who I'm taking. Harrison Bader is one of my favorite baseball players. I know he's been injured. I know it's been frustrating, but when he's playing, he's a difference maker. He brings the mental edge. The biggest problem with this team, in my opinion, before we keep going here, is, is the mental fortitude. You know the Red Sox are coming to town. You know you're going to Fenway. You know your backs are up against the wall. You know you could bury the Red Sox. Um, Two opportunities to bury the Red Sox. Red Sox followed up that Yankee series by choking terribly against the Rockies. They looked awful. Last week, they scored 17 runs in a total of six games. Against the Yankees on Friday, they scored 15 in a season high. So the Yankees literally lie down, and they have players who are – who, who lean into that. They lie down. They let the Red Sox have their way. They forget how to play baseball when they go to Fenway, and it's infuriating. And I know Harrison Bader's only been here for a portion of the time, but if there's someone that I like having in terms of um, an all-around individual baseball-wise and um, just someone who is ready to step up for the occasion, it's Harrison Bader. Well, I think the biggest problem with this whole exercise is number one overall pick is here long-term. Number two overall pick has been a perfect tone setter since coming to New York. He's under contract for the next three and a half months. Like the second ranked guy is not a long-term New York Yankee and and they probably need to figure out how to make that happen. Um, Yeah. The Red Sox went crazy scoring in Friday night after not scoring at all in the, in the games leading up. Uh, Here's another question. Again, we're not going to talk about this, but graphic went out. The Yankees have faced Garrett Whitlock over the last week or so. They faced Bayo. They faced Tanner Houck twice. Um, Red Sox stats guy put Cutter Crawford in this conversation for some reason. I think he's gone 13 innings against the Yankees in three earned runs, which to me is a big old snooze. But that's four young Red Sox pitchers who all have ERAs in the mid twos or the high ones against the Yankees in 25, 30 innings. Hauk owns us at this point. Bayo is a good pitcher, but guess what? That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to lose to him when you face him. Still, it's been a pretty automatic loss. Yankees are just laying down as soon as they face Bayo. Whitlock with an under 2-5 ERA. When's the last time the Yankees had a pitcher of any kind who you're like, that guy owns the Red Sox? Or an offensive player, you're like, that guy owns the Red Sox. They Stan, just don't. They, they don't. When he does. Yeah, sure. Stan, at his, at his peak, yeah. theoretically owns the Red Sox. But we're also talking That's about uh, a Hall of Famer all-star and Giancarlo Stanton, whose play doesn't diminish when he faces the Red Sox. Where are the 260 hitters on the Yankees who hit 340 against the Boston Red Sox? Where have they been for the last two decades? Justin Turner, you and I were on the, all over this last Christmas when they signed Justin Turner. Not a great fit for the roster. Doesn't play any positions other than first and third occasionally, and is mostly a DH. Is 38, probably is going to OPS in the 750s. He'll be fine. He won't be as good as J.D. Martinez. That said, he'll hit 500 against the Yankees. Mm-hmm. He, at some point, he was at 570 with three homers for the first four games they played or whatnot. That was just no fun at all. No. I... Uh... It's really you knew really it was coming. Neat. You knew it was coming, though. We all knew it was coming. Yeah, we knew it was coming. 
I knew this was a sweep at Fenway. And, and uh, last time I tweeted that was summer 2021 and they lost three out of four. And that was the series where uh, Gary Sanchez resurgence bandwagon said that we were a cancer on society for saying that we didn't believe in the Yankees for winning any of those games. And they only won one and blew, blew two of them horrifically and lost three out of four. So I don't think we need to uh, applaud the resurgence bandwagon for that, but yeah. Uh, and then this one was an obvious sweep from minute one. I would have been shocked if they hadn't been swept and they were swept. Um, I'm taking Garrett Cole third overall. Doesn't mean I love Garrett Cole. It just means that I want him on the, the New York Yankees roster moving forward. He's shown me enough. He, maybe he's not my ace forever, but I'm certainly not ready to just say I'm getting rid of Garrett Cole. And I feel like you're going to maybe disagree with that. I wouldn't disagree with it if, yeah. I mean, if we're just straight up drafting people, yeah, Garrett Cole's on this team. If we are drafting people with the caveat where it's like, is this contract going to stop the Yankees from doing sure. something in the future? Then no, I don't want Garrett Cole. I also don't want Giancarlo Stanton, if that's the case. Um, I like them well, both. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to draft Giancarlo Stanton. No, I'm not. Alert. My next pick is Nestor Cortez. I know uh, he's been having a rough year so far. I think the fact that he kind of embodied – a lot of things that that I liked as well. He worked his way up from being a really bad pitcher. He managed to seize a spotlight in New York. Um, he's managed now to do it consistently. I know injuries have derailed him a little bit this year. Um, and I know that uh, a little bit has gone off course for him. But overall, I think he's a good player, personality, and pitcher to have on the team. Um, and I like the way that, that he's kind of carried himself for the most part since being here and starting rotation help, you always need it. So that's, I think he's a, he's a consistent force that, that I think we can mostly rely upon at least to give us quality outings more, more, uh, times than not upset pick before we go to the bullpen. I'm taking care of Anthony Volpe. I'm taking him. I want him on this team in the system moving forward. If you told me tomorrow again, you told me tomorrow we traded Anthony Volpe. I'm angry that you cut the cord that quickly. I'm angry that you yeah. just decided, ah, two months at the big league level, We, I think we fucked this one up, so we're going to give him away. Um, you know, wouldn't trade him for Luis Castillo last year, but now we've seen him at the big league level, and it's, you know, it's not working for me. I think we're going to trade him for Jack Peterson. Like, that's not going to fly with me. No. Um, I'm not 100%. I can't guarantee you that he's the shortstop of the future. I can't guarantee you that he's the second baseman of the future, but I'm not ready to give that up. And uh, as, as far as I'm concerned, this includes, um, you know, players on the roster who could the- like I could be drafting him to send him to Scranton, but I'm drafting him because I want him to stick around. I, I think cutting bait on him is ridiculous. And if you told me he's gone, I would be upset that you moved on so quickly. I'd also be angry that you withheld him from so many trade talks over the last two years only to send him away at his lowest possible value right now. So he is getting drafted by me before I move on to the fungible pieces. Okay. Um, I might make a controversial one here. Um, I'm keeping Jose Trevino. Um, I know he's been dreadful this season. Um, I don't think it's fair if we are already giving him the boot. He's been here for a very short amount of time. He was an all-star last year. His play deteriorated a little bit down the stretch last year because of an injury. This year, he hasn't really gotten back on track, but still a positive attitude, still has been a positive force with the starting pitchers, as we've seen, the pitching has largely gotten the job done for this team. Trevino has been the constant force behind the plate. Um, would I like an upgraded catcher? Sure. Um, do I think the Yankees in this dream scenario are upgrading at every position that I want them to? Absolutely not. We know that that doesn't work like that. So at the very least, you have Trevino, I think, on the roster. If he's starting, not your ideal scenario, but if he's a backup, I think a great backup to have, great guy, personality to have. Um, so I'm keeping him. I would just genuinely be upset to see him go because I like his, I like his attitude and I like his vibes. And I think the people who are bagging on him are being foolish at worst. He's a great backup catcher. Yes. I I don't think the Yankees have solved the catcher conundrum. Like they maybe thought they had not for much of last year, honestly, like maybe May and June, Mm -hmm. you started to trick yourself into being like, is Trevino a long-term starting catcher here? And now I don't, I mean, that's certainly muddled at best. And at worst, you're pretty confident he's not, but he should be your backup. Um, There's no reason to get rid of him, especially because I don't think either of us are saying, oh, and you got to keep Higgy long-term. No, whenever his day is done, his day is done here. Um, And and I think Trevino should be here longer than him. Um, Well, guess what? I'm going to the bullpen because I'm basically out of non-bullpen players. I'm taking Michael King. Despite the foibles on Sunday, um, 
he just he proved last year that he is the MVP of this bullpen when he's right. Um, and if you told me tomorrow that we were moving on without a replacement, without a bona fide upgrade, bullpen arms are so fungible. Um, the Yankees don't have a single shutdown ace in the bullpen, which is insane because they have the best bullpen era in baseball. But it comes from everybody putting up two fives, not one guy putting up 081 and the rest of the bullpen putting up higher ERAs. It's a weird place to be. And so it means nobody in the bullpen is a shoo-in. There's no guarantee. There's no one you're bringing in who's going to erase innings right now. King was that guy at the start of last year. I know it's it's trendy to say bullpen arms. You know, you might never get back to that peak. I think King could get back to that peak, and I don't want to lose him for nothing. So I'm drafting him here. I'm not going to disagree with that. King's just frustrating to me. This is where I go full heel turn. Um, I've been I a guess King. what? It's fair to at this point. Yeah, I've criticized King previously. Then he had a really good 50 games, um, and then there was no reason to criticize him. And now, when the Yankees need him most, he has lost everything over the last week and a half. So um, that's beyond frustrating to me. 50 games to to me is not enough to. He's he had a really bad start with the Yankees when he didn't really have a role. He didn't really have his arsenal together. Then he finally got it together. Now I'd keep him. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that, but um, it, it certainly is frustrating at this point. And you don't want to get frustrated with the most talented player in the bullpen. But that's where we're at. Um, hmm. Let's see. Am I even going to stick with anybody else in this bullpen? I we're running out of people to draft, by the way. I, I'm not going to lie to you five yeah. folks. Like I'm, I'm running the barrels. We're running low. Hey, if we're talking about, look, I'll keep building the bench out because I like bench people. I'll keep Greg Allen. Greg Allen's been here for two separate stints. Greg Allen's been totally fine. Greg Allen's been exactly what you asked of him. Um, at this point, that's how low the bar is. If you're coming in here and you're asked to do a very simple task and you get it done that's that's kind of that that makes the fans happy um you're watching right now the core of this the the theoretical core of this lineup i shouldn't say the core of this lineup um almost 100 million combined dollars they're getting outperformed by three three minor leaguers at this point three fringe major leaguers so um yeah at that point you know i'm not saying keep jake bowers keep Billy McKinney and keep, you know, uh, Willie Calhoun, but Greg Allen switch hitter athletic fielder has speed can use him as a pinch runner off the bench, defensive replacement, whatever, what have you, I'll keep him on my bench. I think he's more of an all around player that you can utilize in that scenario than most of the guys that we have on this team right now. And he's hurt. He's not even playing six to eight weeks. It's he's, he's big time hurt. We're not going to see him for a while. Um, uh, now I'm in, I'm honestly, the people that are left in the pool to draft from, there's nobody who I'm 100% sold on. There, there are a few people who I would enjoy retaining on my team, but in terms of do I think I can upgrade or am I – there are some people in the category of do I think I can upgrade. There are some people in the category of just ready to see them go tomorrow, no questions asked, like no ill will. Like yeah. I'm not sitting here stewing and angry, but just people if you were like, hey, they're gone, I would be like – probably the right time yeah think they did their business um i'm gonna i'm gonna keep tommy canely um i i don't think that he should be a shoe and eighth inning setup guy but i think for vibes purposes and for the fact that he is clearly still got the stuff i don't know how often he gets used again value for the money no probably an overpay but pure if you told me the yankees signed canely away from the red sox used him for seven appearances and then sent him to LA in a deadline trade for somebody random, I would be like, well, that was bullshit. So Canely on my team. Okay. Um, I respect that. Uh, I will, this, I might've won after this, but I'm, I'm going to go with Ian Hamilton. Why I'm building a team of scrappy players first. That's what I'm doing. I'm building, I'm combining it with, the top talent with the scrappy players. Ian Hamilton brought in this offseason on a minor league deal, comes in, ends up outperforming expectations wildly, ends up becoming an integral member of this bullpen to the point where he got injured. When he got injured, we were questioning, well, what? who's taking that role now? What's going to happen? Who, who Who's br- helped bridging the gap? 
who's going to help fill high leverage innings when the bullpen's not rested? It's Ian Hamilton. And that's, that's somebody who should not have been as important as he was coming into this offseason, established himself, made him that important. And now is, and now we're seeing how valuable he actually was because he's been out for this long. Um, the bullpen is showing its cracks. The best performers are having, you know, you're, you're oscillating. Clay Holmes has been largely lights out. Yes. Now we're seeing these weird, weird uh, on and off performances from Michael King and Wandy Peralta. Even Ron Marinaccio is, is having a little bit of difficulty back there. So I think Ian Hamilton played his role well, overperformed. And I think if you have the correct bull, everyday bullpen role for him, he would be very, he would be even more valuable. And then in the event of injuries, he can slot into kind of whatever you're looking for because of his pitch arsenal as well. So, um, and he's scary. He's a scary guy. So I want more scary guys on my team. Ian Hamilton, it is. Yes. Um, look, I'm only going to draft one more player. And I okay. think people are going to be upset by this um, because I'm leaving two who, honestly, I probably should retain maybe three on the board. But I'm just getting to the point where it's like, look, if you tell me that those players, you know, the Yankees sold high or they found other bullpen pieces, then, then I would just have to smile and nod and say that's okay. Um, I'm the only one probably left who's going to die on this hill. I would draft Carlos Rodon. Yeah. Um, because he makes me, it makes me sad. We've been on this the whole time. It's, I will not, I will refuse to acquiesce to the idea that it's not a perfect fit. He is a perfect fit for this roster. Does that mean that they should have seen his injury coming? I don't know. I mean, of course he's got a checkered injury history. Does that mean that they shouldn't have also signed offense? No, they should have signed Rodon and done something more. But I'm not going to sit here and say because he got hurt and because he's starting a rehab assignment now that this was a mistake and you're not going to want him moving forward. I still think he's a great fit for this team and contract accepted. Um, I'm going to, I want Carlos Rodon on the Yankees moving forward long term. Um, and honestly, that's it for me. Okay. Um, I agree with Rodon. I, I, again, sad. You don't want to see that. You don't want to see that end before it even starts because of how especially how excited we were when this happened um i am also not going to be disrespectful i have one more pick and this is fully it for me um i'm keeping clay holmes i'm keeping clay holmes for yeah two reasons one the yankees for once i mean not they always do this with the bullpen but they they managed to unlock somebody's talent after he was completely lost which i think is something that to be wasted is a shame um, and two, I think when he's had his problems, he hasn't had the help of the coaching staff. And that's just my opinion. Um, I think earlier in the year, especially when he kept struggling, Boone kept trying to force it, putting him in bad situations that he couldn't handle. And that's kind of magnified his struggles and made him blow up even more than, than I think he needed to, if he was managed properly. Um, he could be a closer. Um, I think he, he, he has the stuff to, at the very least, be a, be a consistent setup man. And I know the bullpen's very important for the Yankees. So I think if we're sitting here and we're building a bullpen of Clay Holmes, Michael King, and Ian Hamilton, and that's where we're starting, and there's room to improve, I think we're in a very good situation. Because you can't even deny how excited you got when he struck out Francisco Lindor and Starling Marte. That was the highlight of most Yankees fans' season to date because of how big that was. Um, and last year, leading up to the All-Star break, when the Yankees were cruising toward the win, the the regular season wins record, he was a big part of that. Um, and I know things went south, and it's been a little bit bumpy since. Um, but perhaps we have to manage expectations. Realize, like barely two years ago, he was a five ERA pitcher who we were kind of we were criticizing that deal. We thought we thought surrendering Hoy Park for him was too much. We actually got mad about that for like five minutes, which in hindsight, appears to be the most ridiculous thing ever. Um, so I'm keeping Clay Holmes under the under the uh, assumption that we're going to utilize him properly and handle him properly when he's, he's beginning to struggle, especially with his command issues. I can't believe I, I'm glad you took Clay Holmes because I, I was about to. I mean, I, I can't lie. I, I wanted Clay Holmes as well, and, and it made me feel weird that I ended my draft without taking him, but – that's real. Look, I, I would have taken Clay Holmes. I'm glad you did. I considered taking Ron and Wandy, but ultimately, maybe we've seen the best of Wandy, and I, I've loved my time with him. But yeah. 
there's a way where you can get rid of him and get better. Ron is one of the worst relievers I've ever seen with inherited runners. Yep. So bad. Um, now that's coaching. That's partially coaching staff. He's not your guy there. He's not your fireman. Uh, but I, I can't just unequivocally say I wouldn't be open to that. I would certainly consider drafting him for this, but ultimately I decided not to people. We didn't draft Clark, Sevy, Domingo, Herman, DJ Rizzo, Glaber, Donaldson, IKF, Willie Calhoun, Stanton. It's just, I mean, that's like the whole offense. Yeah. And I think that just speaks volumes. It does look like right now, right now we're questioning why maybe, and it, look, it could be, it's, it's recency bias, you know, uh, especially with Anthony Rizzo's struggles. But now you revisit a lot of these conversations on social media. People are legitimately wondering, why didn't you just sign Freddie Freeman for money? Why didn't you give the A's, a little bit of a better trade package for Matt Olson than the Braves did. Cause what the Braves surrendered for him really wasn't that much. And then what they ended up extending him for, I understand it was different because Matt Olson's from the Atlanta area mm-hmm. did not really inexpensive. Um, Anthony Rizzo endured a, a career worst over 24 slump. Of course it comes this year when the Yankees can't afford to have it. And it comes during a period when the Yankees absolutely can't afford to have that offensive production. When Aaron judges out of the lineup and he's four for his last 48, and it could be a neck injury because of the Fernando Tatis thing. It could just be the aging curve hitting him relatively hard, like we've seen with Josh Donaldson. I don't think it's that extreme, but I think that that is certainly a factor that might be coming into play. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, now you have this the play that has turned so sour where even for someone like Rizzo, who I think is still remains a fan favorite and will be until he's gone, you're now wondering why the Yankees didn't opt to upgrade and they 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 went with somebody like this who's – somehow prone to this type of poor play when you don't, you haven't really been seeing this elsewhere from starting caliber players in the league. And it's sad that we even have to think like this because we were kind of enjoying our time over the first two months of the season for the most part. And now the last three weeks, it's like, why am I even here? What are we, but what are we doing now? I don't know. I'm not angry at Anthony Rizzo. It's no. just, yeah. I mean, there, there's a better way there. Are, there are better options. And, and if Rizzo is going to, he can't be blameless for what's happened the last couple of weeks. No. Is he injured? Does he need a phantom IL stint? Does he need a real IL stint? Whatever he needs, he should take it. Does DJ LeMay, who need a phantom IL stint? Certainly seems that way. I wrote about this today. Like, theoretically losing LeMahieu or Stanton or Rizzo right now should be a death knell for this team because they don't have judge. They can't afford to lose his additional star power, but the additional star power has been the worst part of this team. So if there's ever going to be an opportunity to take somebody else's name out of the lineup and get him right, it's now because McKinney and Bowers and Calhoun are hitting LeMahieu and Rizzo and Stanton and Josh Donaldson have been black holes. The three, four, five is where rallies go to die on this team. Second and third, no outs in the first inning of the second game of that doubleheader. Rizzo, ribby, ground out, which is basically the best you can hope from at this point. Yeah. And then two completely lost ABs with the chance to put more runs on the board. Rizzo's and that cut off for this team. Yeah. And, and, and also, yeah, uh, concussion like activities. I, one of the craziest things I've ever seen. He's trying to steal an out by letting a run score when you are about to escape an inning on an O2 count with two outs, like what? I, I don't, I just, I, it's, it's the, nobody, it, it's just, nobody's fundamentally sound anymore. It doesn't matter how fundamentally sound you've been for your entire career. You come to the Yankees and now baseball is foreign to you. The concept of baseball and the everyday activities of baseball are now completely foreign to you. Um, and it's frustrating because that's supposed to be someone Anthony Rizzo, theoretical co-captain, somebody who's on the field, someone who needs to be aware of every scenario, someone who needs to be reminding everybody else around him of the scenario because that's his job. It hasn't really seemed to be doing that. Josh Donaldson, uh, how many 13-year veteran, something like that, picked off at first base on Sunday Night Baseball after getting walked. Rizzo and Donaldson both got picked off on Sunday Night Baseball by the Red Sox this week in uh, the two, the home and away game. Rizzo got picked off at second. These are things that you can't do. Yeah. I, I just, it's, I, maybe they're trying to make something happen, which is something I could, I guess, respect, but it's not like any of the, I don't remember if Rizzo getting picked off where the game was out of reach, but Donaldson getting picked off was a tie game. Rizzo cutting that ball off was a tie game. Um, Rizzo, the Yankees were up one. It, it was oh, the middle so, inning yeah, of that Sunday I, night game. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
a point made. It's just it's depressing. I mean, Glaber Torres is the one who like he's the example of this for me. Is he the problem with the current Yankees offense? Not as much as Rizzo, Stanton, Donton, LeMahieu are, but is 204 over his last 14 games with a 707 OPS and a 278 OBP really good enough to the point where you're going to die on this hill that he can't be upgraded and he can't be replaced right now. The team's lucky. They didn't trade him because nobody else is hitting. And those still weak numbers look competent in, in comparison, but I can't look at those Torres numbers and the offensive package and be like, we can't live without this guy. When his time on the roster is up, I will smile and nod. I will go. Okay. That's probably correct. The only argument is that you might not have been able to live without him over this stretch because his homer against the Red Sox last week essentially won the game. Yeah. And then his error lost the game. His homer against that uh, against the White Sox won that game. And then, you know, he did his part, I think, in hitting that home run against the Red Sox this weekend. You get out to an early lead, you give your pitching staff confidence, and then the Yankees just shit it all away. So I do get the argument where it's like, hey, right now you can't not have Glaber Torres because your offense would be dreadful, and you would be – I mean, I'm sorry. It would be beneath dreadful because right now it is dreadful, but also like those numbers you just said are not – that's then nobody gets a pass with those numbers unless you're you're a bench player. That's that's good for a bench player. That's bad for someone who's supposed to be a top – 10 middle infielder or second baseman, whatever you want to say. Um, someone who's supposed to be pick again, another person who's supposed to be picking up the slack in the absence of someone like Aaron judge, who is doing it only to a certain extent and nothing beyond that. So he is not free from any criticism. I don't think, you know, I, I don't think we're asking him to bat 400 with 1.2 OPS, but two with a seven is below average. It will remain below average. Well, if you're a bench player who wants to get paid like a starter, maybe try DraftKings. Uh, We got an offer for new customers. This is an all new ad read. Everything has changed. This is completely different. Um, Have you signed up for DraftKings yet? Yankee fans, if you are a new user, you can receive $150 in bonus bets instantly after following just three steps. Create an account, deposit, then wager $5 or more on any sport. Whether your first wager wins or loses, you will still receive that $150 in bonus bets. All you have to do is use the code <laughs> YANKSGOYARD when you sign up. Easy as pie, YANKSGOYARD, name of the podcast right there in the bottom corner if you're streaming along with us. The offer is available for new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. If you haven't made an account you're about to, Make sure you listen to this first and use our offer. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Now, all the Yankees are boring. Everybody uh, who is a Yankee coach, representative, manager, all boring. Um, Dylan Lawson is a, one of, a member of the club, one of the boring guys. Um, he's been getting so much face time lately. Why? As the Yankees offense becomes one of the worst in baseball. Um, as people zoom out and realize that the Yankees were like 19th in some major offensive categories in 2021. And then outside of the stretch at the start of last year where they were on fire, been pre 500 y and then are bottom of the barrel this year, especially without judge. He's come under fire and all he offered us the other day were a bunch of platitudes. We're going to be turning over rocks. We're going to be skipping stones. We're going to be, you know, 
tiptoeing through the tulips until we get this right and you're just left all he's doing a million interviews and every single one of them you're like is this really the same fucking guy who revitalized the minor league approach like we heard hit strikes hard we thought that was reductive but we said you know what it everybody hits in the minors so what he's championing if he's the guy is working but when's the last time a Yankee got better between the minors and the majors? And maybe Lawson's not the right guy because bringing him to the bigs did not ease that transition for anybody. Did not ease that transition for Volpe. Did not ease that transition for some of the most important names in the developmental program. Donnie Collins, the Scranton beat writer, with the tweet hammer of the weekend after Sunday night's loss, quote, a lot of coaching changes needed. Have to wonder how and why players are developing well at the lower levels and not the major league level. Nobody is getting better at the top level among the younger players. Volpe is the most important developmental project this team has had in years. They can't get this one wrong after they passed on Seager and all and Correa and all those other big names. They've got to nail this one. We thought we were nailing it when we promoted Lawson from the minors to the majors because he was what was working in the minors. Presumably he'd work in the majors. Maybe not. Maybe we got that wrong. Maybe there was another reason that everybody was getting better as they climbed the minor league ladder. Because so far, it seems like Lawson isn't adding anything. Maybe he's not actively making players worse, but he's not adding anything as far as I can tell. And they're going to have to seriously reevaluate this if uh, Anthony Volpe continues to struggle the way that he has. Yeah, I mean, forget about that. Lawson is also supposed to be a guy who is helping the veterans, and the veterans are as worse as they could possibly be. I mean, he talked to the New York Post and detailed a mechanical change in DJ LeMahieu's swing that's hurting him, and it's like, why is that not fixed yet? We had the Anthony Volpe story about the Yankees, I guess, not looking at old film of his, and he had to ask for help from his friends and make some dinner um, to, to, to change that. I was skeptical of Lawson coming up because his philosophy was bizarre. It was hit strikes hard. He wasn't an eloquent guy. He had a first interview with the team and I'll pull up the article and find it before the end of the episode ends. But it was just a bunch of gibberish, bunch of gibberish about hitting balls and making sure you're concentrating and basic stuff that you would do in anything else in life. There's a really tough one. There's a really tough one where he's talking about like, Hey, we used to just like want to hit mistakes, but you're going to get balls in all quadrants of the plate, curveballs, fastballs, sliders. You're going to want to hit all of them. And it's like, no shit. (laughs) Was there a time when the Yankees were instructing players? Hey, if you see a slider, let it go. Don't even think about it. We're looking for fastballs. Like, give me a break. Yeah, I don't know what the reason for him being in front of the media this much. Conspiracy brain in me says that the Yankees are slowly using this as as a scapegoat so they don't have to keep hearing the heat on Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman. Now they have Dylan Lawson in front of the media, which, again, I don't know what he's saying. Um, What he said, what was it after? It was after uh, Sunday Night Baseball. They talked to him between games, which is how you know it's bad. Yeah. We we gotta talk to uh the like the the offense was so terrible. There's another game later that we're gonna have to grill the hitting coach in a hallway between these games because he's got to get it right. In a boiler room, it was like at a he was behind a brick wall. Yeah. Um, the yeah the other thing he was saying was that he thinks the struggles are stemming from everybody trying to do a little bit extra with Aaron Judge out. And you know what, man? Maybe that's true. But all of these guys, Anthony Rizzo, Josh Donaldson, Giancarlo Stanton, DJ LeMahieu, Glaber Torres, keep going down the list. These guys are veterans. They have been here for a while. If you're talking to me and you're saying Anthony Volpe's trying to do too much, that would make sense. That's a guy who needs to make an impression. That's a guy who's badly in, a, in you know, he's been in a month-long slump and needs a rebound. Like, that's something I can understand. For guys who have been here for 10 plus years, like in the league for 10 plus years or close to that and know what it's like to be without the best player on the roster or to know what it's like to play in an environment where the depth has been badly compromised or your team leader is out or you need to be the next guy up to, you know, help the younger players or, you know, be an influential voice, whatever it is. And the fact that those guys still haven't learned from a decade's worth of experience. And Dylan Lawson is saying that to the media. 
It's like, A, how are you revealing that to the media? You're essentially telling everybody that our veterans are indeed not veterans. They are just baseball players who have not picked up on an inkling, inkling of anything over the past decade. Um, or, or you're not coaching them properly, or you have not been coaching them properly since you have arrived in the major leagues. And again, not getting on Dylan Lawson's case overly here because he's been here for six months and the season is not even three months old. But I mean, you got to be better trained to speak to the media at this point. You can't be giving away your hand like that and essentially indirectly throwing these guys under the bus. You Because again, five guys been here for, you know, Glaber has been here, what, five years? Um, everybody else been here for a very long time. You know the situation. You know what it's like to have your back up against the wall. You know what it's like when you're in the middle of the summer and you're and the roster is beaten down. And you're going through a tough schedule and you're running through a couple of rivals. You can't use the excuse that you're trying to do too much anymore. That excuse is not for you. You have you, the statute of limitations there expired. So um, that's my concern with it. Yeah, and like I said, conspiracy brain. He could just be thrown to the wolves right now because I mean, Aaron Boone's got nothing to say. He said they were going to turn the page after Sunday night. Maybe they will. We got we got to watch tonight's game. That'll yeah. be great. Maybe they turn the page. But it's more more of the same. Where it's like you know they're they're doing well. They're getting there. They're they're right there, and I can see it. And we just got to turn the page, and we just got to keep doing what we're doing. It's you know you got to stay confident. It's like there's nothing to be confident about. What are you saying confident? Are you telling them to be confident in being bad? Is that why this play is continuing to be bad? Hey, stay confident, man. You're over for Rizzo. You're over for twenty four, but stay confident. Make sure you're make sure you're there. You're staying confident. There's nothing to be confident about. No, for any of those five play outside of Glaber Torres is power surge here and there where he's helped the team out. There's been no reason for optimism. Josh Donaldson talk about his six home runs and eight hits. One of those home runs has been meaningful. He had a pinch hit sack fly, which won the Yankees a game. That's been his best contribution to date. In my opinion, mm -hmm. nothing. It's nothing to me. Nothing was funnier than him homering over the monster down 14, four. Yes. So, so funny. And then IKF is better than Domingo Herman from the mound in that game. But I yep. was, uh, I was in Massachusetts uh, trying not to watch that. I was actually somewhere else. Um, I was at a Cape Cod League baseball game, represent. But, you know, obviously following along and getting the ping. Oh, cool. 7-1. Oh, 8. Well, 10. Uh, great. Okay. Who gives a shit? Um, and so I got to a bar for the end of the game, and I watched the Donaldson home run. And I was like, Josh Donaldson went deep. Are you kidding me? And the waitress came by and was like, don't say anything. I was at the game the other day and they lost. And then I had to pretend I was a Red Sox fan. And that's why I was mad Josh Donaldson homer. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we got a fucking, yeah, I won't speak too soon or whatever. And then she left. But honestly, like, I, we sound like Red Sox fans at this point because we're, yeah. that's how we're like, I'm as annoyed Donaldson's going deep in the eighth inning of a 14, four game as a Red Sox fan is that Donaldson's going deep. I'm like, are you, you've got to be kidding me. Like just, you know, I, I want to see some fight obviously, but I don't want to see Donaldson go over three with three strikeouts looking and then be like, Oh, 14, four. Okay. I guess I'll just plop one over the monster so that I get to continue. My OPS is 800 something. Yeah. You know, over the last couple of weeks. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like does that literally the definition of window dressing, he homered in the ninth inning off Liam Hendricks to cut a 3-1 deficit to 3-2 in a game they lost. He hit a game-winning sack okay. fly. That is it. That is all I remember from Josh Donaldson's season so far. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Thanks, Josh. Josh, we didn't draft you. Josh, we simply did not yeah. draft you. Um, changes we'd make immediately. I mean, for me, ILing either DJ or Rizzo is the easy one. Uh, I just think it's it's time. You know, if your argument is that they need both of those bats in the lineup while Judge is out, my argument is that literally anybody could hit 100 or 060 right now. It doesn't matter if it's Anthony Rizzo or Oswald Peraza yeah. as long as Rizzo's in the dugout. You got to find a way to get Peraza up, and I don't think that's DFAing Donaldson. Like that's the everybody wants to DFA Josh Donaldson. And I look, I get it. Like we just made fun of him for five minutes. I don't think Josh Donaldson's a good baseball player, but how much dead money do you really want on your books this year? Donaldson's gone after the year is out. No matter what um, he's undecided about playing in 2024. Reportedly the Yankees have a team option on him. I fucking dare you to pick up that team option, by the way, $16 million for next year. What is that, that conversation? Were Why you is even conversation thinking, happening? were you even thinking about that before somebody asked Josh Donaldson if he was playing next year? I wasn't even thinking about that. Um, 
but there's an eight, I mean, there's $25 million owed to him in this year and there's an $8 million buyout. Like I, I don't want to lose that. If there's even a chance he goes to another contender and thrives as a pinch hitter, I want him de-emphasized, but if I'm paying him that much money anyway for this season, then I don't really want to shuck him off the roster tomorrow. Um, and I certainly don't want to do the rash decision of like, oh, you got to take him off the roster because you got to bring up Peraza. And then somebody gets hurt two days later, which is what happened with Aaron Hicks. Um, I was in favor of DFAing Aaron Hicks at the time. They have now looked relatively foolish for DFAing Aaron Hicks when they did at this point. Um, I'd still do it. Obviously, it took somebody else's coaching staff to get their hands on him for him to get right. But do they really want to go through that again three weeks after DFAing Hicks? DFA Donaldson, see him go somewhere else, hit well for free. I would rather put somebody on the Phantom or real IL at this point than do that. I would like to see Esteban Floreal. I I, I understand Billy McKinney is playing with his hair on fire right now. I understand Willie Calhoun has done the job. Give me another week. And if if either one of those guys takes a downturn, nobody else gets hurt, but they struggle, then I'd be fine sacrificing either of those players to give Floreal one final chance for the trade deadline, either as a showcase or to actually make some hay on this team. But frankly, I would find a way to get Floreal on the team, put somebody on the Phantom IL, a position player, call up either Peraza or Floreal. I like to see them both on this roster by end of week, but I know I'm probably not getting that. And I would keep Donaldson to save them further embarrassment, but I would not start him. Yeah, I agree with those moves. What I would do, um, I, I don't know if there's any roster moves to make. I think uh, Peraza's an obvious one. You need help. You have guys who are clearly hampered by something. Phantom IL somebody, bring Peraza up, just see what happens. The changes I would make are more philosophical. I would just manage this team with a little bit more fire. Josh Donaldson benched after getting picked off. Anthony Rizzo benched after cutting that ball off for no reason or benched yeah. after getting picked off or just benched after an 0 for 24 slump. There is no reason that, that there is. I don't care if you're low on players. I don't care what I don't, I, I, I just there, there's no excuse at this point for the Yankees continuing to allow poor play to persist and be rewarded. I'm not saying Donaldson and Rizzo are being rewarded like other players in the past have um, by not playing well, but they should know that just because they are 10, 12, 13, whatever year veterans, that their jobs are not safe and that their actions, their, their boneheaded plays, their airhead plays, their, their just general bad play overall is subject to punishment because that's just the way it should. That's the way everybody in society grows up. It's the, it's no different from any other, you know, um, who was who was just benched this week or last week for not hustling? Verdugo. Verdugo was one. No, there was somebody else who, like, it, in in Major League Baseball, got like it was it was a famous, it was a, it was a big thing. Now I sound like an idiot, but somebody was benched for the manager called them out for not hustling, and it was a it was a very big it was a big spectacle. Um, maybe another thing I'll have to figure out before the end of the pod, but um. The Yankees. Uh, Luis Luis Robert got yanked. Yeah. Ozuna got benched. Verdugo got benched for a lack of hustle a couple weeks ago. Tyler O'Neill at the start. Tyler O'Neill earlier in the year. Yeah, it Um, happens. It's happened throughout the game. Yeah. So, like, and the Yankees shouldn't. I mean, the Yankees being the poster boy for complacency, it would seem, sounds crazy because this is an organization that has not been like that for decades. Um, I'm not saying you have to win a World Series every year. I'm just saying don't make. Don't let everybody get comfortable. There's no reason for everybody to get comfortable in what they're doing. You need Anthony Rizzo to break out of an 0-for-24 slump, and he's still not hitting the ball? Great. Hey, Anthony, you're on the bench tonight, and you're going to reflect on going 0-for-24. I mean, it's it's as simple as that. Um, maybe that helps. I don't know. Some players respond to that well. I'm, I, don't, I don't know who responds. It's not my job. I'm not the manager, but Aaron Boone never does this type of stuff. He never – he called out Glaber once for a lack of hustle, and it was the most obvious lack of hustle that everybody from the press box saw it. So he had to address it, and he had to say something. But otherwise, he's, he's a player's manager. He never says anything to rock the boat. He never calls out his guys when the play isn't uh, sufficient enough for the team to win. Um, he never calls out his guys when they don't step up and rise to the occasion when there are situations like this that have been happening over the last couple of weeks. So there needs to be a change on that front too. I mean, we could talk about Aaron Boone all day. Do I think subtracting him from this team automatically makes them world series contenders? No, 
But do I think we could have a better manager? Absolutely. I mean, the people who want him gone tomorrow, I think, are a little bit extreme. The people who, you know, I don't know who you think you're getting as a better manager or, you know, that much of a better manager at this juncture in the season. You're probably not. Everybody um, wanted Buck Showalter. Everyone wanted, wanted Buck Showalter. Now Mets fans want him gone after one you manager of the year last year. Now, as Frank the Tank would say, the worst manager I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> but it's... It, it, I like there needs to be some sort and you look at a guy like Dylan Lawson again, like it's cut from the same cloth. It's like, you're asked a question and it's like, how can I come up with as many just surface level basic phrases that I can to talk about somebody doing their job and do it for two and that interview that talking Yanks posted was like two minutes. He we should all- never have an answer longer than 30 seconds. Never. We- We've all struggled at our jobs at some point in our lives, right? And we're doing it right now. You go, yeah, I suck at my job. (laughs) You go into word salad mode, right? Somebody goes, hey, where are the numbers? Why are the numbers so down? Why is, you know, why are you doing such a poor job right now? And everybody goes into, well, you know, the measurables might not be in our favor, but ultimately I do feel like we're executing a strategy that is sustainable. And and bottom line is we're chasing sustainability. And, And end of the year, I just want to be able to look myself in the mirror and say that I was ultimately able to provide an infrastructure that carried us closer to the goal than when I began. And I just made all that up right now, right? That means nothing. I'm not describing anything. I didn't come up with a sustainable infrastructure. I just invented all that on the fly. Those are just words that are in the encyclopedia. When you look up business, it says, say these words. And that's what I just did. That meant nothing. And that's what Dylan Lawson does. Whenever you put a microphone, you know, Ultimately, we're just chasing goals. And at the end of the day, if we hit our goals, we've hit our goals. And if we miss our goals, then somebody's got to be held accountable. We got to look at the system we have in place. We got to turn over rocks and stones. Me and Susie, we're skipping stones. It's a crocodile rock. Like there's nothing coming out of Dylan Lawson's mouth. And somebody in the uh, somebody in the in the press course should just be able to raise their hand and go, that was bullshit. I've been on corp- <laughs> I've been on corporate calls before. I've heard people say stuff like that, like pivot to video. Like that that was. That was bullshit. You said you said nothing. Can you just can you say something? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, there 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 also has to be more rebuttals from the media. I know th- t- things have gotten testy. Aaron Boone, I guess, scared people off when people were asking about judges' timelines, but maybe they're just shocked. You get an answer from that from Lawson for like two plus minutes, and you're like, what? Like yeah. you're writing down, da- you're writing it down. Some people still write it down. Some people have their tape recorders out, but like, imagine you're writing a tweet out and you're just like, okay. And then you're, you're like reading it back and you're like, what? And then somebody already asked the next question. And you're like, wait a second. I don't even know what was just said. All these words are, they don't, they're, they're fragments. It's all red on my notes app. Yeah. It's saying it's not English. Somebody help. Please. I mean, I don't have to tell you that John Boyd does a good podcast with this week's Talking Yanks. He basically put together an algorithm that describes why the Yankees aren't trying that hard right now. It's because they're not worried until Judge comes back because they know they'll play at a solid clip when Judge returns. And Keith McPherson did a great rant on this today, too. The expectation now is that Aaron Judge will carry this team in a 600th winning percentage. They will not overwhelm the competition. They will not be a slam dunk World Series contender or participant or obvious team that should be lapping the field, should be a big bad bully to anybody else. They're a good team. They've been a good team for a while, unless they're playing extremely poorly like they are now. Um, they are constructed to be a wild card team or maybe a little better. And when they get to the playoffs, maybe they'll win the World Series. So they don't care right now. They're not going to panic for another month. They're they are hoping to be kind of almost 500, but probably below it for the next few weeks. And that's all they want to be. Uh, and, and that strategy has not worked for them one time. They have not gotten the October breaks. They have not gotten the September breaks. They have not rolled into the playoffs healthy and with momentum and taken advantage and run to an AL title or a championship. They haven't done any of those things, but that's clearly what they're hoping to do. Let's. Who cares if we're bad for three weeks? Everybody will forget about that when we're 19 and nine in August. And then hopefully we win the World Series from whatever position we're in. 92 wins, you know, whatever. That, that's good enough to give yourself a chance. And that's all they want to be right now. So, yeah. It's all too much projecting. It's what it's that's been a lot of the discourse, which I actually, that's why I think Yankee fans are smart. Like uh, when, when you're sitting here and you're looking at all the idiots saying whatever they're saying and they're just, it's shock value. It's they're just, they're standing in one player's corner for whatever reason. I think a lot of the a lot of the frustrating discourse over the last week and a half is like this roster is built on what ifs. Yeah. What if Stanton was healthy in 2019? 
You know, what if Harrison Bader was healthier for longer last year? You know, what if we had all these guys together at the same? What if DJ LeMahieu didn't hurt his toe? You know, what if Anthony Rizzo didn't need an epidural on his back? And it, the list goes on and on. What if Carlos Rodon pitched the first three months of this season? And I don't know whose fault it is. I think it's more cosmic than anything, but um, that's the most frustrating part because I don't know any other team out there where you're wondering what might happen. Like maybe you just have a year of regressions and you're like, man, what would have happened if everybody didn't regress? That would have been cool. Mm -hmm. But the Yankees have regressions, injuries, um, you know, Unfor just unforeseen, unforeseen hustle issues, unforeseen defensive lapses, and the list goes on and on. So, like, you can't have that many variables thrown into the equation for it to actually be at all sustainable, or for it to actually be, you know, some sort of linear path to a championship. The Yankees are take constantly. It seems like since 2018, taking this gamble of hoping. You know, maybe Gary Sanchez's defense improves and he starts making better contact. Or maybe Aaron Hicks, you know, you finally release Or maybe Aaron Hicks actually rediscovers his swing and finds his power stroke. Nope, we'll release him when he actually gets hot. Um, so I, I think that's probably the most frustrating aspect of it. It's one piece of the puzzle gets removed. Everything falls apart. Then you get everything together. You go on a historic win. You know, you go on a historic win pace. And then your GM fucks up the team chemistry at the trade deadline. And then you're completely lost for a full month and a half. And then you finally get back on track. You skate through the guardians and the DS, you get to the ALCS and you get completely embarrassed. It's not like you're going toe to toe. It's not like 2017 where you went toe to toe with the Astros, which is by the way, that's, that's probably the Yankees claim to fame since 2010. Yeah. You went toe to toe with the Astros in the ALCS to seven games, hang the banner. That's the best thing that they've done since then. Every other time is like, well, what if what if this person was available? What if this person didn't completely disappear in the postseason? What if we had this pitcher that we should have signed? And it's it's frustrating to keep thinking like that, especially because the Yankees shouldn't be playing the what if game. The Royals should be playing the what if game. The Guardians should be playing the what if game. Even the Rays should be playing the what if game. Not when you have all the resources and all of the um, the advantages you have on your side that the Yankees do it, it's far too many. What if games, it's far too many, you know, uh, things hanging in the balance for anybody to deal with the, at the very least, it should just be one remaining constant of successfully run player personnel decisions. And then if you deal with the bad breaks, you deal with the bad breaks, but it's, it, it, there's, there's too many, there's too many, um, you know, wobbly parts here and uh, continually more added every single year. And then fans are rightfully mad about it. I, we preach patience for two months. I've now lost patience after two and a half weeks. And I don't feel guilty about it. Nope. Me too. And Angelo's right, by the way. Uh, the, it, I mean, John boy's kidding around when he says like, Oh, the judge machine says they'll be good when he gets back. So who cares? Yeah. Um, so he probably didn't go into it in further detail. Cause he, he was kidding. Like he was, he was the acting algorithm. like the way he was acting like the way the Yankees are acting. So he was joking around, but it, you're right. They were way under 500. They went like three and 16 or something in the middle of August last year after the trade deadline. Then they played like a 600 team in September and then ultimately got themselves back up to 500, but they weren't even just a 500 team. They were like the worst team we've seen in, in decades in August. And then they were very good in September. Boats rose and rising tide lifted all boats. Um, we what could have had Harrison that, Bader. Yeah. It's frustrating. This, the, the, what the Yankees do, I feel this is another element of it. It's like they downplay how bad things can get. And then they assume when everything is clicking that they're just, they're going to win at a 65% clip. And that's just yeah. not how it works. And you also can't downplay the fact that, oh, we went, what were they going August last year? Nine and 19. I oh, mean, we let went, me find out. It was it was horrendous. Whatever. Yeah, or eight and nine. Oh, we went eight and nineteen. That's not a big deal. We'll be back on track when September October rolls around. And it's like you won't though. You just you have a month to regain everybody's trust and get back on track. And you completely punted a month of second half baseball and didn't fucking care. And this year is the same thing. It's like yeah, you know, sure June. Well, who cares about June? Yeah, I mean theoretically, who cares about June? 
but I care about June when it's league worst play on a team that should not be the league worst. So like that, another element of it, it's the, it's the, the complacency again in a, in a different, in a different, in different context that has people angry and it's totally warranted. Yep. George Kirby tonight, Luis Castillo tomorrow. Have some fun. Um, again, these pitchers shouldn't be death sentences for a good team. It'd be like, Oh, an interesting challenge. Cool. Maybe, maybe we get to him tonight Should or maybe fun. we don't, maybe we win a two, one game or whatever. Remember it was fun. Like, yeah, it was fun facing ago. good pitchers. This could be fun. Let's have let's have a night. Let's have some fun. We went to Seattle like three weeks ago and beat the shit out of uh, the the rookie who had been dominating everybody. Miller, and then we destroyed uh, whoever came up. Who was that after him? We destroyed somebody else. Was it uh, not, not Castillo? We didn't no, Castillo. it was uh, uh, Gilbert Logan Gilbert. Yeah, Logan Gilbert usually owns us. We we destroyed him too. We never. We Castillo beat us last year. Kirby always dominates us. You get a chance to get to Kirby tonight. That could be fun. Um, but right now, not fun at all. It's, it's less inevitable. The loss is less inevitable than the weekend games in Boston were. Yes. We're back home. It's Seattle. Texas should be a fun challenge, except for we have no offense, and Texas has the most historically good offense since 1936. But other than that, should be pretty fun. Um, and Harrison Bader back tonight. So that's nice. Um cool. I'm going to defend him taking the extra games of the rehab assignment. I have actually no issue with this. I'm surprised yeah. it's totally fair for him to want extra games to get his legs under himself. Does Harrison Bader really make that much of a difference in that Fenway series where they were completely overmatched? I think the long-term effects of Harrison Bader getting himself right, feeling comfortable with his legs, feeling like he can go all out after having a longer minor league rehab assignment are fine. People were mad at him, though, for opting into more rehab games over the weekend. And so, I mean, what? where were you on that? I wasn't mad at him at all. I was mad that we were told he was coming back, whether yes. it was reports or whether it was, I don't know if Boone outright said it because I, I, I didn't believe it was the case. I didn't even pay attention to it. They're like, Harrison Bader's coming back this week. And I was like, no, he's not. That's just not happening. Yeah. And then everyone's saying he's coming back, should be in the lineup Friday and then opting to play three more minor league games. So, I mean, I'm ne- I'll never fault the player for looking out for the long-term health and making sure that they're able to, I mean, especially someone like him, he's played in 40 games. He's been here since the beginning of last August. It's clear when he's in the lineup, he's a difference maker. I think he knows his impact on the team and he knows his value. So I respect the fact that he thought he needed a little bit more time um, because it did seem a little bit rushed. Hamstring injuries are never easy. Um, We've seen Stanton Stanton's out for a minimum six weeks every time he gets a hamstring injury. So um, someone as athletic as Bader who moves as much as Bader, especially on the base paths and covering center field. Like that's important, but why are we letting information get out before it's official? Why are we getting people's hopes up? Why are we thinking, why are we like, how is this still the, pro- this is the other, the other issue is with communication. How are we, how is this still not, how is this still not a well-oiled machine? It's the richest organization should be very easy to do this. We don't know how to diagnose injuries. We don't know how to communicate those injuries to the media. We don't know how to talk about adversity in front of the media. We don't know. It's it's just, it's absolutely exhausting at this point. So that's the only thing I'm mad about. Why even say it? That's why they didn't set a judge timetable. Lucky to see Bader back tonight. He is hitting six. DJ LeMahieu is not in the lineup again. Donaldson at third. LeMahieu on the bench. Phantom IL stint soon come for you, DJ. Get right. Uh, Mike Ford in the lineup for the Mariners tonight, so that's an automatic two bombs uh, for first baseman Mike Ford. Uh, But we'll see what's up when the Yankees play the Mariners tonight. We will not be back on Thursday, actually taking the rest of the week because we got some complex schedules going on, but we'll be right back at it on Monday to update you on the Mariners and Rangers series that I'm sure will be an absolute delight. We're off next Monday. Uh, The Yankees are off. We're not off. We're here. But again, the Yankees never play on Mondays anymore, so... We'll be right here to talk about the weekend at 2 o'clock Eastern every Monday and Thursday here on Out Live. When you need us, we will make sure to come back on. When the timing is right, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you do get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review, mailbag question if you feel like it. I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. and Thomas Carinante. Where can they find you? Folks, I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. We are both at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Um, head on over to yanksgoyard.com. We got plenty of content there for you. We're having, eh, are we having a good time? I mean, eh. I don't know. Eh. This is the peaks and troughs of the season. You have to live with it. It is frustrating, but 
still, we like the discourse. We like the conversation. We like you guys getting involved. We appreciate all you guys tuning in for uh, the podcast today, uh, chiming in in the chat here. Keep it coming. Until then, we'll talk to you on next Monday, I guess. I found the Lawson article I wrote. I was just very confused about the hit strikes hard when I wrote about this. When you get, oh, here, oh, here was the other, um, here was the other quote before we go. When you got, when you have guys that can hit the ball the way that we do, getting it over the infield is going to allow for better results. Imagine, imagine like going into an interview and they're like, "How can you elevate our podcast offering?" It's like, well. You know, you talk into the microphone and then you have the computer, the computer's in front of you, right? So the camera's there. You have to make sure the camera's on so like they could see you. You got to make sure the microphone's hooked up because like, you know, the voice quality of all this. And then when you talk into it, you would like to think that people would listen. So that's how I plan to get people to listen to the podcast. Yeah, I mean, you just puppeted me. I was just mouthing everything that you were saying. I thought it made perfect sense. Um yeah. I mean, again, that's like business. That's interview 101. It's like you have no idea what to say. And then just kind of talk about the thing at hand and, and act like it's obvious. Everybody knows it's very obvious. Like, like, what are you going to do to elevate the podcast offering? Well, it's all about listeners, right? At the end of the day. So how are we getting our quality listeners, quality content? How does content become higher quality? Microphones, equipment, video, you know, slicing it into different bites, digestible little segments. The same thing. Don't how do your hitters hit better over the infield, past the outfielders, down the lines, into the open space. We're going to make sure that we're getting hits out to all segments of the field. It's important that no area of the field is left unaddressed by the offense. Ground balls, make sure you find a hole. Line drives, avoid the fielders. Over the wall, if you can, a run scores if you are able to do that. So let's just make sure that we're taking advantage of all run scoring opportunities. Don't leave any. He, he literally said that when he was like, we're not just trying to get them to hit fastballs, but sliders and curveballs. It's like, you're just listing pitches now. Splitters, <laughs> we don't want to forget about those. And remember, any of these pitches could hang. So theoretically, you could clock one in the middle of a delivery and not think it's an opportunity for a hit, but then it hangs up there in the zone for you. So you have to be ready to adjust. It's like, oh my God, I've never heard anybody know so many words before. Um, I'm tired of this. <laughs> so we'll see you guys on Monday, baby. We'll see you guys on Monday. Bye, everybody. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.